Welcome to Bourbon and Bible with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 23 through 25. Our prayer request this week comes from Richard. He had a shoulder replacement surgery last week, and it went well, and he is at home recovering, but could still use our prayers. Richard, we are praying for you. Today, I am drinking an old-fashioned. Matthew, chapter 4, verse 23 through 25. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds came from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judah, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Matthew, chapter 4, verse 23 through 25. Today's scripture is very short, and Matthew did this on purpose, because the length of this section tells us something about how Matthew saw Jesus. Matthew summarizes a lot in just a few short sentences. We talked last week about how the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke were most likely written with knowledge of one another. They are very alike, not only in subject matter, but also in vocabulary and sentence structure. The Gospel of Mark is also quite similar to the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. However, from what we can tell, the Gospel of Mark was written first, and Matthew and Luke probably used it as a basis for the structure of their own Gospels. They wanted their Gospels to have a certain feel to them, so you felt as if you read one unified account from three sources, even though the Gospel of John is quite a bit different than those other three. But even though they were a joint effort, there are some differences between them. Matthew here spends almost no time talking about the actual miracles Jesus did during this period. He says that Jesus went through Galilee, teaching and preaching in synagogues, proclaiming the good news, healing, and performing miracles. He then lists some of those miracles, but we don't hear any details about them, which is quite different than the other synoptic gospels, Luke and Mark. They both tell us in detail what sort of miracles Jesus performed. Mark tells us immediately after the calling of the first disciples that Jesus, while he was still in Capernaum, healed a man who was tormented by an evil spirit. You may recall this passage. It is the one in which the evil spirit calls Jesus the Holy One, recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah before he was cast out. We then hear about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law in both Mark and Luke as well as Jesus healing a great number of people gathered outside of a house he was staying in. Now, both of these stories are included in the Gospel of Matthew, but they're included later on, after the Sermon on the Mount. They are included in Matthew chapter 8, 
four chapters past when they occurred in both Mark and Luke, detailing Jesus' teaching and preaching before he talks about his miracles. Now, the Gospel of Luke does include a shorter sermon that is called the Sermon on the Plain instead of the Sermon on the Mound, because Luke describes the location of this sermon as not being on a mound, but instead on a plain. But both of these sermons are very similar to one another, and quite possibly the same sermon, just listed as a slightly different location. But the Sermon on the Plain is after the healing narratives and the miracles, not before in the Gospel of Luke. Which makes you wonder, why did Matthew gloss over some of the individual acts of healing that Jesus did, and instead go ahead and include the Sermon on the Mount here, with its ethical teachings, in such a long and detailed format? When the Gospel of Luke includes the miracles first, and then a much shorter version of the same sermon. And Mark went into great detail about the miracles, but didn't describe the sermon at all. What was the emphasis that Matthew was trying to put on this aspect of Jesus' ministry? Because it tells us something about Jesus and our lives, too. When someone's in the hospital, we often pray for them. We pray for their healing and their overall well-being. And that's one approach we have to faith. But we also have to approach our faith from an ethical point of view. We have to lean on it when we go out and serve others. We say that God instructs us to be there for one another, to help other humans. So, we volunteer, we go to soup kitchens, or rebuild homes, or any other act of charity in Jesus' name. Jesus calls us to try to be a better person. And it's clear in the Bible that there is an emphasis on not only healing and miracles, but also on teaching, particularly teaching concerning how we can be better people. And when I read the Gospel of Matthew, I see that teaching coming to the forefront. The Gospel of Matthew is often talked about as a series of discourses. Particularly, scholars have thrown around the number five, calling them the five discourses of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Basically, they're pointing out five sermons that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Matthew that serve as an overall structure for the Gospel itself. Now, there's some debate on how long these sermons are and what counts as a sermon, but for the most part, Each one of these sermons ends with the words, when Jesus had finished speaking. And we see those words occurring five times in chapter 7, 11, 13, 19, and 26. And much of what's held in these sermons is found in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Mark, but often it's in different places. Only the Gospel of Matthew includes such large tracts of text that are word-for-word what Jesus said in these moments, the most famous of them being the Sermon on the Mound, for which our text today serves as an introduction. While this summary or introduction is quite short, just three verses, the dialogues are often multiple chapters long, 
particularly the Sermon on the Mound, which is three chapters long. And it frames both Jesus' miracles and his teachings. By starting with this short summary, Matthew is telling us that Jesus has power. He is demonstrating that the power of the kingdom of God can be felt by us through the power of healing and casting out demons. And we can see that particularly if we look at the terminology that Matthew used. When we read the word seizures in English, we think of seizures. But the word directly translated from Greek would be moonstruck. Because the ancient Greeks called seizures being moonstruck. Greek physicians thought that seizures were caused by the moon and changes in the moon. And the treatments they had for seizures often dealt with the moon and therefore were completely ineffective. Today we can heal many types of seizures and fix a lot of medical problems. But back then, those sort of treatments weren't available. In the time of Jesus, doctors didn't really know more about medicine than the average person. And their treatments were often ineffective. So the fact that Jesus could heal people when doctors could not, it showed that Jesus had power, that his miracles had power. And we see this because people came to him. He drew large crowds, not just from the local area, but from all around. But even though the people were coming to him, they were just that, a crowd. They weren't disciples. Because there's a difference between a disciple and someone who just shows up because of a miracle. As we saw last week, a disciple is willing to drop everything and follow Jesus. Someone who's following him as part of a crowd is willing to follow Jesus as long as it's easy. The same people who shouted Hosanna on Palm Sunday also shouted Crucify on Good Friday. They were just part of a crowd. They weren't disciples. They were here for the miracles, but not for the teachings. And you have to wonder, How many in that crowd showed up to be healed, but when Jesus started to preach, laughed, upset that he started talking instead of healing? Matthew is putting the teaching first. Yes, Jesus is a holy man, a powerful man, but he is also a teacher. And we have things to learn from him. And this is important for us to remember in our lives too. Now we start each one of these Bible studies with a prayer request. And I hope that you are holding these people in your prayers. I am a big proponent of prayers, especially when someone is sick or in need. But that's not the whole point of our faith. Even without miracles, Jesus would still be Jesus. We live by his teaching. We live by his words. Because if you don't listen to the words of God, and you just hope for a miracle, then you aren't a disciple. You're just part of a crowd. Instead, we should align our lives with Jesus. 
and seek ways to help others, to show compassion and forsake the materialistic trappings of life, and focus on what really matters. Remember, Jesus shunned all of those things when he was tempted out in the wilderness. He shunned security, safety, and all those trappings of a good life, instead focusing on the worship and love of God. Matthew wants to remind us that even though Jesus is here to help us in our moments of need, that's not the only reason we need Jesus in our lives, even though that's the easy one. Everyone's ready to pray when they need something. There is no atheist in a foxhole, but that shouldn't be the only time we come to our Lord. We should seek fulfillment in our lives through the study of his teachings. And next week, and for the several weeks after that, we're going to cover those teachings, because we're going to cover the Sermon on the Mound, where Jesus shines a light not only on one aspect of our faith, but shows us in great detail the many ways that we can order our lives not to seek the materialistic things, but to seek the eternal, starting with those oh-so-famous Beatitudes. And I want us to remember that what Jesus asked of us is a big ask. Because in most cases, Jesus is asking us to shun what is normal and to seek what is extraordinary. So today, Matthew gave us a very short summary, one that can basically be summed up with the sentence, Jesus traveled around Galilee, performed miracles, and people came to him. It's simple. But it's made to be just that. It sets us up for a more detailed scripture, one that's anything but a summary, one that's made to discover the disciples in the crowd, and one that serves as the first of several sermons from Jesus that Matthew will use to structure his entire gospel. As always, thank you for joining me this week. If you have any prayer requests or questions over the material, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. As always, if you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you.